Welcome to episode six of the Upper 90. I'm Sam Culp. Happy to be back talking all things Premier League here on the WMUC Sports Network of Podcasts. Got a great show ahead. Lots of exciting matches from the Premier League this weekend. Starting off with the North London Derby. I'll be getting into that in a sec. Also had a couple of other intriguing matches. And the rumor mill is just churning. Not just managers, but a couple big name players in the rumors this week as we get closer and closer to the January transfer window it looks like some of the stars of the Premier League might be on the move so let's get this episode started with some quick hits as I just mentioned it appears one of the Premier League's best players is going to be on the move in January Paul Pogba's agent Mina Raiola informed Tuto Sport which is an Italian newspaper over the week that the French midfielder is done at Manchester United. He wants out. It's seeming more and more likely that the club uh, wants to go in a new direction. And the bottom line is Pogba was acquired for 90 million euros, and he has he's, he's played great at points. Let's give him credit. And over the weekend, he scored a wonderful goal against West Ham. I'll be breaking down that match in just a couple minutes. But overall, I don't think, I mean, it's impossible to live up to a 90 million price tag but he hasn't really uh, even come close to that and United are going to be lucky if they can get half that for Pogba it's very unclear where he's going to go almost definitely going to leave the Premier League and I've, I've heard Real Madrid is going to be in the mix Juventus who Pogba used to play for before United maybe looking to acquire him back but it's it's somewhat we- a strange timing um Ole had another bad result today. I'm recording this on Tuesday. Uh, United is out of the Champions League. They lost to Leipzig today. Pogba only came on really in the uh, final minutes, barely played a role after playing his best game of the Premier League season over the weekend against West Ham. Somewhat strange decision by Ole, but the rumors must have had a factor in that. You know, I'll, I'll say that we have to take this latest rumor from about about Pogba because things like this have been happening ever since he came to United uh, it seems like every couple months we get a new Pogba wants out and the the man behind all of this is Mina Raiola now if if you've followed football for long enough you know that Mina Raiola is <laughs> is not an agent uh, that is pl- uh, club friendly I'll put it that way he he is ruthless to compare him to a, an, an American agent. I'd say Scott Boris is the closest. Minariola Raiol, uh, is always looking out for his players. Um, he loves to talk to the newspapers and and try to wheedle uh, you know whoever he's supporting into the best deal possible. And it seems like he's uh, kind of leaking some some of some of this stuff to the news to the uh, Italian newspapers, trying to get Pogba out of United get a better deal for him possibly in Italy or in Spain but I, I, I'm not totally sold that Pogba will be gone in January um, the, a breakup is coming and certainly by next summer that's almost definite at this point but uh, January seems a little soon and Man United are not done in this Premier League season they have a very real shot to finish top four they're out of the Champions League yes but Europa League is still um you know that they'll be one of the favorites in that, and I know that's <laughs> that's not exactly a selling point, uh, considering 
I, I actually saw this stat on Twitter that finishing in the top 16 of the Champions League, you get more prize money than if you win the Europa League. So there's obviously a huge uh, gap in play between the two competitions. So not exactly a good sign if Pablo does want to play Champions League football, which let's be quite honest, he's he's one of the best midfielders in the world when he's on his game. And if he goes to Juventus or Real Madrid, uh, I think he'll make an immediate impact. He's sure to, as long as he stays fit and is committed to what the, the, the tactics that the manager is employing. The other major transfer news of the week has to do with Meza Urzel. Now, Urzel hasn't played for Arsenal in several months. He hasn't even been in the squad for the team since the start of the Premier League season. There are a lot of reasons behind his benching likely not having to do with football. Over the summer, he made some comments condemning China's treatment of the Uyghur Muslims that has apparently upset some of the Arsenal higher-ups. I'm not going to get into, you know, talking about if he should play or not. What is surprising, though, is that Mikel Arteta on multiple occasions has said that his benching has to do with footballing reasons, which if you've watched Arsenal, that's absolutely not the case. They're terrible in the midfield. They could absolutely use a creative midfielder like Ozil. So, you know, I'm not going to get into what's going on there, but the news from the week is that he looks like he might be coming to the MLS with DC United. DC has had major players from the Premier League come to the United States through their club in the past, Wayne Rooney most recently. It's not out of the question. I think it's actually a pretty good fit for Ozil. He, he could come to the MLS, kind of do what Zlatan Ibrahimovic did a couple years ago, boost his numbers. Let's be honest, the MLS isn't one of the, the top leagues in the world. If he comes, he'll really thrive um, and, and be one of the best players in the league and then maybe get a chance to go back to Europe at some point. From an Arsenal perspective, I mean, I know he's a fan favorite. Uh, I think they've mistreated him terribly by not playing him in the matches. His wage, but his wage is through the roof. It's somewhere close to like three hundred million, uh, three hundred thousand pounds. So uh, you know, it's not like the club has completely left him behind. But it has to piss him off that he's not even playing and or not even in the squads when Arsenal is playing this poorly. I think a breakup is imminent, maybe in January, maybe at some point later in 2021, uh, but it's a shame, you know, one of the best midfielders in the world in his prime, but like Pogba at Manchester United, it just never really clicked at following a certain point. He was so good for Arsenal uh, in his earlier years with the club and since has kind of fallen off, but he's still a great player, and again, if he ends up in the MLS... Uh, he'll be he'll be one of the best midfielders in the league for sure, and uh, yeah, you hope that he can come back and play on the biggest stage because he really is a, a fun player to watch. Final piece of news from the week has to do once again with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the manager of Manchester United. Another bad loss in the Champions League. This, I mean, <laughs> the number of times I, I've thought that Ole is going to get sacked and then he stays for a couple other games and turns it around. However, at a certain point, you just have to think that Ole isn't going to be able to win consistently at United. It's been so topsy-turvy, especially this season. And I think it's time for Ed Woodward and the Glazers to finally sit down 
and really evaluate the future of their club, evaluate the manager for what he's done so far at United. Yeah, he's gotten he's gotten some good wins and some fantastic comebacks. Again, he did it again over the weekend against West Ham. But it's West Ham. This is Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world. They were supposed to get Jadon Sancho over the window. They didn't. They were supposed to be one of the contending clubs in the Premier League this season. And so far, they they haven't quite lived up to that billing. They've lost to Arsenal. They've, uh, they drew with Chelsea. Haven't really been any superb results to talk of now. This weekend, they do face Manchester City Manchester City in the Manchester Derby. They can get a result from that. It's a, it's a different conversation, but personally, I haven't seen enough from Ole to say, yeah, he, he deserves to keep his job and Pochettino can't come in and do better. The rumors this week are, are again swirling that Poch is ready to come in and take the United job, that he's more than willing to do it, and that Ole appears to be on the way out. It was a busy week of matches in the Premier League, a lot of high-scoring affairs, but there's one match that really stuck out to me, and it's the North London Derby, one of the fiercest rivalries in all of England, and really in all of the world. Tottenham versus Arsenal. Tottenham by far the the better team going in. Arsenal struggling, and it went pretty much according to plan for Jose Mourinho. They get a 2-0 win. Arsenal ha- had a lot of possession, they had more shots, more shots on goal, but that's that's what Mourinho wanted. He is he Arsenal played right into his hand. They bit too far down on the attack. It opened up the counter for Tottenham. Spurs did what they normally do, and that's defend brilliantly, win possession in midfield, go on the attack, and score goals. The first goal from Son was an absolute beauty, perfectly placed into the bottom corner on the right hand side of goal. There's not much you can do on a goal like that other than just give Son a round of applause. It was really just a brilliant strike. Arsenal's defense maybe could have played him closer. Hector Bellerin was ball-watching in the lead-up and just got caught uh, out of position, allowing Son to get down the wing and eventually cut inside and score the goal. Tottenham's second goal, honestly, was fairly lucky. Uh, Thomas Partey, the Arsenal midfielder, pulled up with an injury. He was walking off the pitch. Bellerin gave the ball away, and it was a pretty easy counterattack for Tottenham. Kane to Son, Son to Kane, both goals. Just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant play from them. There's no stopping those two guys, and it, it makes me as a Chelsea fan incredibly worried because this is really the first time in a while that Son and Kane have been on on this type of wavelength, this synced because it's just every play. They know each other's movements, and it's it's too good right now for just about any defense. I'm not sure. I don't think anyone can stop them right now. The bottom line between these two teams, though, is that Tottenham are levels, levels ahead of Arsenal. It's not even close. Every facet of the game, they're better at. Defending, they're better. Midfield, they're far better, especially without Partey for Arsenal, Tottenham were just able to exploit the midfield and open up spaces uh, for their wingers who were able to cut inside and score. Attacking, obviously, Tottenham are way, way ahead of Arsenal. Without Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I'm not sure who scores the goals for Arsenal. Who? Lacazette isn't playing well? Saka? I mean, maybe. he's He's been out of form, though, these past couple games. And Aubameyang has just been non-existent the whole Premier League season. For a guy that 
finished last year second in goals the year before he won the golden boot where where is he what happened to him i mean i i think there's something deeper going on it's a tough time for everyone so i'm not going to you know criticize him or anything like that he's a phenomenal striker when he's on his game he's one of the best in the world he's done a lot for arsenal winning them an fa cup and a community shield over the past 6 months but I mean, where are the goals going to come from from Arsenal? I just, I don't see it. They're in 15th place right now. They're playing like a relegation team, a relegation zone team. There's there's no, this is the right position for them. It's shocking to say because of how big a club Arsenal are, but 15th is where they belong right now. And looking at the manager, it's just, it's befuddling, to be honest. The tactics, it's the same every week. He, he Arteta doesn't adapt. This week in particular really stood out because you know Mourinho is going to try to draw your attack in, gain possession, and then score. And Arteta was bringing the midfield up every time. The back line too, moving it up. It's it's just, it's naive. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's naive. I, I think he's a great coach. He proved that when he was under Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. But being a manager at a huge club like Arsenal, it might just be be too difficult for him I I think it's looking like he's going to get sacked unless he can drastically turn this thing around they play Burnley on the weekend you got to win that match anything but a win is going to be a huge huge negative against him but going back to the tactics real quick especially defensively Arteta's game plan just isn't there looking at Arsenal's 3-0 loss to Aston Villa I I was looking through Uh, some of the statistics and stuff. And there was a point in the game when Arsenal were down 2-0. Aston Villa were controlling possession the entire time. And Arteta, this is no joke, you can check my Twitter for the image, was playing 8 at the back. He was playing an 8-1-1, down 2-0 at home. Not against Manchester City, not against Liverpool, but against Aston Villa. The same Aston Villa that almost got relegated last season. Against Tottenham. The game plan was just off. It just didn't work. And for Arteta to to not see what Mourinho was doing, because it was clear that Mourinho was perfectly fine sitting his defense back, letting Arsenal come to him, and by the time Tottenham got forward, there was no one left for Arsenal. It happened on multiple occasions. They were honestly lucky to only lose by two. On the attack, again, without Aubameyang, I'm not sure who scores the goals, Willian, Willian has actually played well. It's it's shocking to say, but he's definitely been the the best attacking player for Arsenal over the past three to four matches or so. Even but but he's not going to be able to carry you throughout the entire Premier League season. If Aubameyang is can't get back on form, then I'm not sure who scores the goals. And if Arsenal can't score goals, then they're going to lose a lot of matches, and Arteta is not going to last very long at a club where. He he started off so well, and uh, from the start, I was saying, yeah, we got we got to pump the brakes. So I don't want to take a, a victory lap or anything. But if you just looked at look at the tactics, you look at the lineups throughout the season, they just haven't been good enough. And for those people who are saying, yeah, he hasn't been given the best players, and they've been hurt by injury and COVID and all this stuff, you, the job as a manager is to get the most out of your players, no matter the circumstances. No matter the injuries, no matter the players you're given, if you are 15th with the budget that Arsenal has after 11 matches, I'm sorry, 
It's just not good managing. Moving on now to Manchester United's 3-1 win over West Ham. It appeared that it would be a huge, likely job-saving win for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. As I talked about earlier in the episode, that's not really the case. And then with United being out of the Champions League, but getting back to this match, West Ham really started off hot. I mean, it looked they were the better team throughout pretty much the entire first half. They they, they went up 1-0 early, thanks to Thomas Suchek. They had a couple of really good chances towards the end of the half. Dean Henderson for United really kept them in it. A little bit of a goalkeeper controversy going on right now at United with Henderson playing really well in the time that he's gotten with the club. And with David De Gea not fit, not at his best right now, it'll be interesting to see who has the United goalkeeper job going forward. So Henderson kept them in it in the second half. And coming out of the break, United were a different club. They've done it so many times throughout this year, come out firing in the second half, and they did it again on Saturday. Three brilliant goals from Pogba, Greenwood, and Bruno Fernandes. Pogba's goal, one of the best strikes I think I've seen from him, certainly in his career and, and in the Premier League this season. It re- that, that strike really got United pumping, got them back into the match. Greenwood with a great turnaround goal. So, such a skilled young player. Uh, you know, it, it's he's really fun to watch, too. No matter what club you support, you can't deny that. Uh, he, he just brings a, a youthful energy to the game and is incredibly talented. will be at United for a long time. And Fernandez with another great goal as well. United have the players to, to compete in the Premier League. I've, I've said it so many times. I feel like a broken record. Uh, it's it's one, They're one of the most talented squads in the EPL. It's just a question of them gelling together, them flowing as one squad. The Pogba stuff doesn't help at all. I mean, you want you, that's the number one way to, to break up a locker room if a player is unhappy and seemingly openly happy, or at least his agent is, is saying that stuff. The win over West Ham really doesn't play a role into Ole's job security at this point with United being out of the Champions League. But I will say, he finds a way to win games when they really shouldn't win them at all. He did it against West Ham. They did it against Everton. They did it against West Brom. And if Ole stays, you have to think he's going to keep pulling wins out of his hat, seemingly. And, I mean, it's so... so divisive honestly it's such a tough question to answer you know he's getting these results in the Premier League they don't look good doing it though yet they're climbing the table and that's that's all you can ask headed into a huge a massive Manchester Derby City have been on a great run of form these last two games 5-0 over Burnley 2-0 over Fulham it's going to be a really exciting match I, I, I think United could pull a result here pull something special um, in one of these Derby games. I said it before the North London Derby last week. Anything can happen in these games. City certainly are the favorites. There's no doubt about it. But I'm really, I'm going to be really curious to see what the lineup is for Ole. How he manages the midfield is going to be the key, I think, to United's success against City. 
they can absolutely win the midfield. City's City hasn't been great in the middle half in the middle third, excuse me. So there are ways that I can see Man United getting a result against City, but it's gonna be really difficult. And City are getting healthy. They got De Bruyne and Jesus and maybe even Aguero coming back fit. And that's huge for them. Guardiola is a better manager than Sochar if you if you want to look at it that way. I mean, you have to expect Pep is well, he already has improved from what we saw earlier in the season, and he's just going to get better. That's just how Pep is. He's one of the best managers in the world. I'm gonna go ahead and say this match is gonna end two one. I think United score. I think they get some good chances and could even score another. But just going on the fact that City seem to be turning things around. United still shaky coming off of the loss to Leipzig. It's going to be close, but I think City get the three points. Moving on to some of the other matches from the weekend. Chelsea getting a big 3-1 win over Leeds. It was a highly entertaining match, even from a neutral perspective. I'm a Chelsea fan, and obviously with the three points, it was even better. But two attacking clubs, it was a really open game going back and forth. Just love to watch it. And Leeds actually went up early 1-0, much like West Ham over Manchester United. Looked like Chelsea were just a little bit lacking at the start of the game, and Patrick Bamford capitalized and uh, got himself a goal early on. And from there, though, it was pretty much all Chelsea. They dominated. I, I thought it was one of the most complete performances Chelsea have had all season. Both defense and offense were clicking. The Chelsea back line has been excellent this year. I'd say second best, only falling behind Tottenham. But, uh, you know, if you watch their game, sometimes the attack just wears off. Kai Havertz and Timo Werner haven't quite clicked up in the Premier League games like I think we all expected. Champions League, they're just rolling on fine. And, and even in the Premier League, you know, they're they're in the top four right now, so I'm not complaining. It's just things haven't been perfect. They've been really, really good. But I thought in this Leeds game, they took the final step and showed what really they can do in the Premier League and contend for the title, which uh, they're going to. I mean, this is by far Chelsea's best team since they won the title back in 2017. It's just a complete side. And going forward, they play Everton next week. It's going to be a tough matchup. I know Everton's not exactly on form right now, but anything can happen this Premier League season. And I think it's not a great matchup for Chelsea, especially with Dominic Calvert-Lewin playing so well aerially right now. I'm a little concerned about that. You know, you make one slip up against a striker of that quality. It could be a goal or multiple goals. So, you know, Chelsea got to keep it up. And it's a long season. And we'll have to see what they can do throughout uh, the rest of the calendar year. And, of course, the rest of the Premier League season. The biggest surprise to me from the weekend was actually Liverpool beating Wolves 4-0. The uh, Diego Jota, the match uh, being dubbed the Diego Jota Bowl seeing as the former Wolves striker now plays for Liverpool and is playing excellently. But Wolves coming off of a big win against Arsenal. I thought they'd play a little bit more competitively. They made some mistakes on the back line that led to Liverpool goals. Mohamed Salah with a goal uh, to start it off for Liverpool in the 24th minute. Matip too with a really nice goal in the 67th minute to make it 3-0. Good to see him back and playing pretty well. Um, because Liverpool need every man 
on that squad to step up in the biggest way possible. We know the injuries that they've faced. We know the scheduling conflicts that Jurgen Klopp has stated has kind of brought them down and and caused some of the injuries. So if, you know, we're just going on recent form, not necessarily the the accreditation of the players on the squad, because right now it's not the same Liverpool squad as we saw last year. Liverpool have a really, really good shot uh, to win the title because they're not slowing down at all, or at least it, it, it doesn't seem like that. I mean, they're still winning 4-0 against Wolves. Wolves a quality side. They do it against Man City. They do it They do it against everyone. And, and I mean, I'm not sure how Liverpool doesn't finish in the top four this season. I mean, it, it just doesn't seem likely. They could get more injuries than they have now, and I'm st- I'd am still say, yeah, this is a top four side just because Jurgen Klopp is there and because they, they have that next man up mentality, that underdog mentality. When people count us out, we're going to step up, and it's always been that way for Liverpool for as long as we can remember, but now they, they really are onto something here and definitely have a, have a shot to, to continue this great stretch of form. Uh, next week they play, I believe, Fulham. Yeah, Fulham. Next week, Fulham. So that should be a win. I mean, that's let's be honest. Fulham shouldn't beat Liverpool. And uh, yeah, they got a great chance to go into the calendar year, or to sorry, to end the calendar year on a high note and possibly be near the top of the table. They're only, well, they're actually tied with Tottenham right now. So. Uh, only five goals behind on goal difference. So another great year for Liverpool. It's shaping up to be even with all the injuries. And they're going to start getting healthy, which makes them even more dangerous. Final match that I just want to touch on really quick. Everton won, Burnley won. Another surprising result. I mean, if you had told me at the start of the season that Everton would be drawing with Burnley uh, at the at the start of December, I would have called you crazy because of how good they were playing. They, they at the start of the season, everything was syncing up nicely. James, Calvert-Lewin, Carlo Ancelotti's tactic, tactics really seemed to work in the Premier League, uh, unlike they really had before now. And uh, since they've fallen off, and they've fallen off hard, uh, they, were, they were at the top of the table for a better part of the first two months of the season and now have slipped all the way to ninth. The the, where we kind of expect Everton to be. They've finished in that 7th through 13th place several times over the last, over the last several years, and uh, they've kind of sunk back into mediocrity. I'm not yet, I'm not ready to say they're you know, a bad team, they're going to fall outside the top 10 or anything, but they're not looking great right now, and a lot of that has to do with the attack. I said at the start of the season when Everton were playing so well that they their biggest flaw is depth and a lack of depth leads to a lack of consistently consistency especially in a season where everything is so compact the the season not only is shorter but the games are a little bit sped up because the premier league uh with with the european competitions is playing multiple matches a week we haven't seen that quite yet but it's clear that players just aren't comfortable they're not at their full fitness um and that's affecting everton with their lack of depth, as I said. Also, I mean, quite frankly, Hamas isn't playing great right now. Even Calvert-Lewin, I think, has fallen off a little bit. He's still going to score the goals. We know that. He'll still be in the golden boot race. But so much of the goal scoring falls on his shoulders. 
It's similar to what Arsenal and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang are dealing with right now because if Calvert-Lewin doesn't score goals, who, who are the, who's who's scoring them? I mean, Ames is clearly not the, not the same goal scorer that he was five years ago. Richarlison has missed almost as many games as he's played due to suspension and injury and COVID. So, you know, you just got to question how long Everton are going to be able to keep this up. If it was a normal season, I'd say, yeah, they can they can turn things around. But I'm really starting to question their viability uh, for, for this Premier League campaign. I think Ancelotti probably just has to switch up his tactics a little. They their game is they go through the wings so much and it's you know get the ball to Hamas let him create cross into the box cross it into the box and Calvert-Lewin is there that style of play is going to work against the you know Fulham Southampton some of the teams with with lesser back lines but even Burnley who has a mediocre to good defense is able to stop that attack so when you get to the point of the season where you're playing multiple Premier League matches a week and you're you're facing Tottenham on a Wednesday and Liverpool on a Saturday, I'm just hypothetically speaking here, but um, it, it's it's so tough for that attack to continue when you're facing these big strong defenders of the teams at the top of the Premier League. It it, it just comes down to depth for Everton. They're they're off to they they're building a, a strong foundation though. I'll give them credit for that, but uh, this season. I'm not sure how long this this uh, chance at top four is really going to last. That'll do it for episode six of the Upper 90. You can follow me on Twitter at Culp underscore Sam. You can also follow WMEC Sports at WMEC Sports. Hoping for another big week of Premier League matches. Whatever happens, I'll be here breaking it all down for you on the Upper 90. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.